0: Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm your host, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? It is going good, Phil. It feels like deja vu, bro. All right, it's Monday. All over again. (laughs) Yeah, all over again. We've been here before. We were running a little late, so we already did our uh, indie comic review podcast earlier on today. Uh, We are bringing you now an indie creator spotlight. Uh, this is episode 56, and we are happy to announce that we have a Mr. Brian Chuck from Up Chuck Comics on today. How are you, Brian? I'm
1: doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Oh, no worries. And you know what's funny? Well, we were Phil and I were talking and we were like wrestling our heads because we were like, all right, he's in Dallas so did, did you tell me we were at East Coast time and I was like holy crap I don't remember so I had to go back and check it to the emails and then we did settle on that so I was like it's got to be like what three o'clock in the morning over there for you <laughs> <laughs> so I, I yeah. actually
1: I'm actually originally from the East Coast so I still kind of use that as,
0: as man. Uh, awesome <laughs> awesome 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 all right listen well it's it's a pleasure to have you on Brian we're, we're gonna hop right into it Um y- y- I, I know that we are from Updraft Comics, and so we're going to talk all about that. But we're going to start sort of like at your origin, so we can start there. Just kind of like what got you interested in comics from you know either a young age. What type of comics did you read, um, and how did you get to where you are now?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think like a lot of a lot of guys that are that are my age. I mean, I was still I was getting into comics when you could still go to. Like convenience stores, and they had spinner racks. Mm-hmm. And my, my hometown had a kind of an awesome uh, baseball card and comic book shop that had back issues. And so they were just you know me and a couple friends. We'd bike into town and you know buy comic books, eat candy bars, and just sit there and swap them back and forth.
0: Nice. Do you, you remember your first comic? I
1: love comics.
0: Do you remember your first comic?
1: You know I I know it was a Spider-Man off the uh off the shelf but I don't really remember but I mean I started reading right before like the the first arc that I really remember was the the start of the Hobgoblin. Cool. Uh you know and then that led right into Black Spider and then you know within a couple of years you've got you know McFarlane taking over and Dead Yep. Menom.
0: Yep. Uh, you weren't the one that 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 uh sold that Mike Zek page, were you? Because <laughs> th- that would be amazing. I-, I could tell all my friends that I spoke to that guy. Um, yeah, cool. I mean, a lot of us actually started And uh, That's you're talking, you know, early '80s and stuff like that. And you know, I'm I'm a '90s kid, so I got really heavy into when you know, image came onto the scene and and I jumped on that bandwagon and, you know, Phil's been around forever. So I think he's golden. (laughs) He's golden age. guy. I bought Marvel Comics number one off
2: the rack, buddy.
0: Uh, Yeah. So that's cool. And and so, all right. So you're reading comics, you know, uh, maybe you fell off. And and so where did, where did all of this? So let's, let's start getting into how you got back into comics to start your own thing. Tell us about that journey. Yeah.
1: So, so I, I interned with Marvel Comics in the mid nineties. Cool. Okay. Uh, And it was amazing experience. I worked. um, So I was there with Tom DeFalco and Bob Harris and I worked directly for Danny finger on the Spider-Man titles. Yeah. Um, And it was awesome, man. I mean, you know, I mean, there was still a bullpen there. So, I mean, I got to interact with those guys. Um, You know, I got to see the editorial process, like what we did when we got scripts back in, what we did when we got artwork back in and even the planning. And so I was there for the planning for basically the end of the Ben Riley Clone Wars.
2: I was going to say that, Mm -hmm. that would be that era. That's really cool. So that, that must've been interesting. A lot of probably a lot of back and forth and probably a lot of story changes on that uh, by that, by the end of that
1: too, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting because, um, and I, it, it was years later when I was like, you know what, they did it. So, because, we we got a lot of flack because people were like, "Dude, I've been reading Spider-Man for 40 years, and now you're telling me that the character has been a clone." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the call. Yeah, that was the call
2: to make Ben Riley the actual original Peter Parker, and then the Peter Parker was the clone. That was the original uh, plan, I think. Right? Yeah, it was. And and I, you know, the Backlash.
1: I think kind of made him say, you know, we're not going to be able to do this. But what's interesting about it is the ultimate goal was right when people grew up loving Spider-Man, he was, you know, he was maybe in high school, but maybe he was in college, but he was like, he was single. he never had any luck. He didn't have any money and he had evolved to, he was married to Mary Mm -hmm. Jane Watson, like a supermodel. And he was working for Tony Stark and he like had his graduate degree. And so the Ben Riley thing was a way to de-age him to bring yeah. him back to that. Um, but obviously, a lot of people were like, "That's not going to work." But you know, obviously, a couple of years. So then they had Ultimate Spider-Man, and I was like, "Okay, well, they're doing that." Um, and then Miles Morales is probably the best example. That I mean, that's kind of you know, what I mean, that's that's where they wanted to get Spider-Man back to.
0: Yeah. Right. So then, so you're at marvel are you doing anything yourself when it comes to uh writing because that's your forte yes writing
1: yeah yeah uh you know they would let us pitch stuff um i never got anything accepted but i mean you'd get great feedback um i think the closest i got was i wrote a jay jonah jameson uh you remember back then when they would have like at the end of the story that they might have like four or five pages yep and i wrote this jay jonah thing that they liked but Um, what they came back to me is they're like look you the interns pitch stuff it's got to be stuff that does not alter any of the canon or and they're like you know so this is cool but we kind of jay jonah is a big character we're not going to let you write something into his back history Mm. (laughs) um
0: uh, go ahead i'm sorry that's
1: really it i mean i pitched a couple things never got printed Um, and to kind of get back to your question. So I kind of left the comic book industry. I mean, it was, it was a rough time. There was a lot of guys that had, that were heroes of mine that were losing their job at Marvel. Um, and I was like, I mean, if these super talented guys are having trouble, how am I going to break in? And I, so I left, I, 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 moved to Dallas. Um, I still kept writing. I was doing a lot of journalist work in Dallas um, and then I just, I, I joined a writing group and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to start writing a comic. I had the idea of Biggs. Um, I was a little intimidated to try to write it as like a true prose book. I just, hmm. it just felt very daunting, but, um, you know, I knew some local illustrators and guys that were in comics and I was like, well, let's do this story as a, as a comic book.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, and that's how I came That's how I started doing Big, and and that was like
0: 2016. Right. Yeah. All right. So was that your was that your first one? Was Big your first uh, comic?
1: It was. And you guys guys probably know this. Everybody said when I told them, they're like, "You do not want to do your first comic book. That's going to be right." So I mean, a long drawn out story. I mean, Big is like world building and it's huge and it's. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't quite understand that when I was breaking in, but as I got into creating as an independent, I realized it. I mean, it is a lot. I mean, the process is long, it's expensive. Um, and so in between doing the, the four issues of bigs that I, that I ultimately put into a a trade paperback, I did some other stuff. I worked for, uh, Antarctic press on a anthology, uh, I did a couple of one shot, um, uh, comics under the upchuck, uh, comics publishing. And it's, it's helpful, man. It's helpful to just kind of get your head out of bigs to try other things. Um, you know, just keep yourself fresh. I mean, go from a, a dark theme to a lighter theme. Right. You know. uh,
0: especially as a creator. So, no, I completely get it. All right, so I, I do want to talk about Upchuck a little bit, but let's talk about the book first because I know that you're the publisher and you're the writer of Upchuck Comics, and I want to see sort of how that you know meshes all together. But let's stick to Bix because we actually just reviewed it this morning. Um, so I guess you'll get to listen to it later on. We don't want to spoil too much. Um, <laughs> but the overall theme is that we actually... Really enjoyed it. So um, for, you know, other creators out there, for other people who, who will be listening, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Biggs is um, from the horse's mouth. And um, I'm kind of glad that we sort of uh, squared out the, the writer's names because <laughs> we were literally freaking out about that. Um, I, I, I just thought I didn't know. I didn't understand English. or I was reading the wrong book. <laughs> but yeah, talk, talk a little bit about what Biggs is about. And then we could talk about your process. Um, what that's like when you're tackling a book.
1: Yeah. So, so in bigs, there is a, there's a minority of, of kids that are being born with this disease uh, called BGS. Um, and it leads to all these bad health effects. And, but ultimately they grow super fast and they grow to be like 10 feet tall. Um, so right. The world kind of freaks out Mm. and they, this uh, pharmaceutical company is able to create a drug that stabilizes them. And then they mandate that every one of them take it. Um, And so, so what happens is instead of them being like revered for being these, these giants among humans, they're marginalized. They get exploited. They right they they're faced with like systematic poverty and and racism. And that's kind of this, this, that's kind of the world that you enter into when you read the first issue. Um, and what happens is, <clears throat> so they're living this, nor- this, you know, they're just living their, their lives and a video of, of one of this one big does all these amazing things on this, uh, offshore oil rig disaster. And nobody's ever seen these giants do anything really special. And that's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's where the story opens. And now it becomes, a, a, it's like a thriller. It's, you know, the pharmaceutical company wants to find them. The oil company wants to find them. Uh, And this one doctor, Dr. Ramirez, um, she wants to find him to see what makes him so much different than the rest of her race.
0: Yeah, uh, when we read it, and Phil White was talking about it this morning, I mean, that's that's really an oversimplification of the story that you have there, which is great. But there's so many, like, little intricacies that you've added in along the journey that, you know, as a fellow writer, as fellow creators, uh, we really enjoyed. And these little... Things that you added in there sort of put like a curveball into the story, not just for the main character, but for the overall plot, which gave us some really good substance and you know made a really good uh, page turner. So, yeah. So, like for instance, I, and I don't want to give away too much uh, because I want people to read the book, but just talking about in regards to like the stem cell stuff, that like for you know Phil and I were talking about, it, and that just hit like just spot on with, you know, how that can be such a big controversy in itself and how that, you know, could be a really huge turning point point in just the storytelling itself because it just hit really hard when it comes to, you know, what's going on with the bigs, uh, how the regs feel about them and sort of like the tension that's already out there. So putting in things like that, and I don't know if you did them on purpose um, to create sort of like that tension that's already Tension building, so that would be tension on top of tension, which would be too much tension. But it wasn't too much tension. Um, it, th- th- those types of things just gave a little bit more dimension to the story, right? So,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we were talking about before, like I kind of like that you took, you know, a lot of real world concerns and then you kind of twisted them and 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 created something for this hyper reality that you're and th- that you're telling this story. Um, but yeah, just the fact that these, the sort of marginalized society um you know pharmaceutical companies kind of pushing these people there the harvesting of the stem cells it's all very chilling but it's all kind of based on sort of a lot of attitudes that are out there for other things um in the real world and then you just like i said like transmogrified it to to fit this world i thought was really really cool really well done and and yeah just kind of kind of hit home a little bit too and 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 it's a little terrifying in, in at certain aspects yeah uh,
0: for sure but Um, a great
2: great but wrapped up in a great adventure story that really moves you know so uh with really interesting characters
0: so so then brian take us a little bit through your process so you you've got this story in your head um what's what's your process from your head to the paper to actually getting the creative team together
1: uh yeah so i so i I start off with an outline um and then i will i'll script it out um so to kind of interject, so the, the two, the two illustrators that worked on this book are, are Dallas based. They're, they're guys that I, that I, that I knew, um, oh. to kind of put it in a broad spectrum, when I do other projects, I'm constantly looking through people that I network with people that mm-hmm. I find on Instagram, Twitter, um, to kind of fit, you know, I want their style to fit with what I'm, I'm envisioning. Mm-hmm. Um, But once i feel somebody has the right style for what i'm looking for um you know i i start giving them the the script and you know we kind of do you know they're not really doing pencils anymore but we're basically getting pencil sketches um and you know i just kind of let them go through i mean you know i'm a comic book lover it's a visual medium Mm -hmm. so i try to give them a lot of leeway Um, Mm -hmm. I, i do script the panels out But like, I don't do, you know, I know some people will do like, you know, medium range shot from the left, you know, and I mean, they'll even say where the shadows are. And I don't, I don't really do that. I I try to give them a lot more, um, the, the artists, a lot more leeway. Um, you know, as you collaborate more, you see some don't really want to work that way. They really want you to kind of have it much more, um, fleshed out for them. Um, (laughs) But I, a lot of times, what I do is I let them draw, and I'll go back and alter dialogue, um, change things up based on what they draw.
2: So you kind of do a little bit of a, of,
1: uh, a classic Marvel method. Um, you
2: know, you kind of get submit the plot to them, they do the art, and then you you work the dialogue. But you kind of do a little mix too, because you will add some dialogue uh, with your initial plot that you submit to them. Correct?
1: Yeah, I mean, because if they, you know, because if they feel like they've got. You know, I'm, I'm really paneling it out just so that I get the page turn at the right spot.
2: Nice. All right.
1: Right. So but if they draw something that they were able to include something amazing or come back and say, hey, can I do this? And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, the easiest thing to do is change, you know, the, the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and I usually leave them notes like, hey, this page here, like especially on like fight sequences and action sequences, I'm like the only two points that need to be touched on is character A does this, this, then this, and it leads to this. And, cool. I mean, if you get there from jump kicks or parachuting out of a plane, I mean, you can <laughs> do whatever that, you want.
0: That's funny. That's, I mean, it's really interesting to hear because we had a creator on not too long ago, a writer as well, who was a little bit more, you know, a tighter on things. And it, it's just funny to hear someone completely opposite. And as, as a creator who has to let go of the reins a little bit and, and trust the artists themselves in that process, it's really good to hear like the opposite of that where, you know, you have the artists and you trust their insight uh, based off of your vision. Um, and it's just, I mean, it, it's a lot of trust that goes into that, um, especially because this is, if you think about it, it's your baby, right? You're, you're writing this, um, so and it is a visual medium, but your message still has to come across. Um, and so how did you feel with the overall finished product?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm really proud of it. You know, it's it's for us going through it, we look through like the first issues, you know, cause so the trade paperback is, is four issues. There's a bunch of extras, but, mm-hmm. and we go back and look at the first and we're like, oh, we could have done this better. We could have done this better. But, um, you know, I mean, as creators, I mean, you could go back and look at something you did 10 years ago and be like, oh,
0: absolutely, I, better.
1: I mean, so. At some point, you just have to put the finished product out. Um, but overall, we're we're happy with the story. You know, there's two illustrators that are in it, mm-hmm. um, and I was a little concerned with that. But I mean, that was a lot of time concern. And um, but I think it works out. I think they, they both have similar styles, but it's 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 different enough. But I don't think it's I don't think you get lost. Like, well, who is this character? Yeah, yeah that's, no, that's, they.
2: They complement each other. They complement each other very well.
0: That's what we were saying this morning. So it's funny because you know when you do have multiple creative teams working on a project, it's really important to make sure that the styles are similar, so that that way when you're you know transitioning from one issue to the next, you don't have to redecipher who's who, but that there's such similarity in the characters. And I don't think at any point there was enough of a character design change from the artist to art from one artist to the other where it threw us off. Um, I think the one thing that did kind of throw us off and, you know, and and I'm always stepping back. So I've got, you know, my, my, uh, I would say comic fan eyeglasses where I just love the medium so much that I'm just going to try to ingest as much of it. Uh, But then I also have the creator side and then I have sort of like the business side of it where I'm looking at it from a publisher as well um, and editorial. So the only thing that I think that threw me and fell off a little bit was the transition from one letterist to the other and the issues and i don't know if, if that was something that ever came up but the 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 lettering style from one to the other is is so different and distinct that you went from i think it was frank in the beginning and i think frank ended with an issue four as well correct
1: yeah and then i, I think it. you had
0: t- tyler bass and i think tyler bass was a little bit more loose in his word bubbles and using a different text than what frank was using um that was the only thing that me out of the story for a second but once i got into the issue the and 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 the story itself i was fine
1: i mean that's great that's great feedback to hear i mean that you know because that is something we considered we were like man do we want to go back and redo the lettering Mm. uh, to be more Mm. consistent but i mean you know i mean these are indie budgets man i mean it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and that was that was that's
0: exactly what i said i mean it's it's our pockets are are not that deep they're quite shallow actually and 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 to your credit i mean done is better than perfect so if you're trying to reach perfection we could go back you know 20 times 30 times and there's always going to be things that we want to change and i think for creators that get stuck in that wheel of wanting to you know distribute something that's perfect then they're always going to have limitations on what they're actually distributing so I, I think, you know, having your story out there is, is, is much better than trying to go back and revisit things and fix things. So, you know, kudos to you for doing that, because in this day and age where there's, you know, thousands of creators trying to get stuff out, very few are, are even doing anything. So uh, to your credit, good stuff.
2: So, you know, I actually did want you mentioned something um, about when you went back to do the trade and you were looking at issue one um, and and what would you, you know, fix or whatnot. So I, I, that made me think about the uh, the two page introduction, uh, the evolution of bigs with the, the, the smartphone, you know, oh, Twitter great. feeds was that that wasn't originally in the first issue. That was a result of putting the trade together and kind of coming up with um, uh, uh, let's, let's put some sort of inter- introduction uh, here. Cause I think it's a great technique. I think it really pulls you right into the world right away uh, and covers all that backstory in a really, you know, uh, familiar way for people these days. Um, so was that new to, is that material that's new to the
1: trade? Yeah. Yeah. I, Tell- I appreciate, I appreciate that comment, but yeah, it, it, absolutely. We, you know, I mean the world building, You know, the the book, I was really worried about it being moving too slow about trying to tell everyone the backstory and I wanted it to have a lot of action. And I realized that, you know, everybody might not get everything because everything is kind of in the exposition is is kind of put out somewhat subtly. I mean, I'm pretty on the face because I'm trying to be fast. Yeah. Um, But we really thought like going back and showing people where where this started but not having to do a full prequel comic. I mean, how can I do it fast? And I just thought, um, you know, originally I was gonna do it as like they were little news articles you could read. But then I just kind of thought I was like, you know, if I do it through like what looks kind of like Twitter and just let it be people's comments, Not only, you'll get the story, but like you'll get news the way we get news now where mm-hmm. yep. news with somebody's opinion. So. Obviously, the comments they make are, you know, there's this, there's this opinion, there's this opinion. And you can kind of see a contrast just as you're reading the, the, um, the prequel tweets.
0: Yes, but <laughs> and, you know, I, what would have made it better? Because there was a visceral response from my end where I hated some of those Twitter people. <laughs> so if I had the ability to respond back, that would have been great. <laughs> but no, I like like, yeah, like Phil said, I mean, it was a really clever way to, you know, update us, but also, and and sometimes we do things that, you know, we we want to have like we want to cause an effect um, in, in a particular instance. And and I don't know if that was part of it, but there was this, you know, this back and forth. And and the way that we we ingest news today where we're just reading something and we're like, idiot, 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 idiot. All right, cool, I'll read this. That's kind of how I was reading it. Like some of those people were idiots to me. And and sort of having that out loud response of like, oh, my God, if I ever saw this person in the street, I would just punch him in the neck (laughs) kind of thing. was a really great way because, you know, it is a medium where our imagination does take control, but you, you had this really clever way of doing that. The other thing that I found really clever were the back pages where you had those ads. Yeah, and for certain things, so there was there was great stuff to keep you in, but take you out at the same time. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense, so yeah,
2: and 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 narratively, that whole thing about the people commenting and that is the news. You know, that fits into the larger world because at that at this point in this world, uh, there is no mainstream news. It's just people posting news like this people posting their opinions on news uh which i thought was a really cool you know you made that connection angel and i thought that was a, a really mm-hmm. cool thing how that fits in the larger world too um how, how the the media landscape has changed in this world
0: yes all right cool so on on the creative credits we have uh the writer is bronte irwin <laughs> but we now know that bronte irwin is brian chuck so so tell us a little bit about
1: that
2: we we know all about aliases
1: uh, on yeah. the podcast. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I used that name when I was doing more journalistic stuff because I was doing, um. You know, I was doing stuff where I was so like I did something where like I tried to go through and apply to the police academy and see if I could get accepted in the police academy. Mm. <laughs> Which was a total failure. Okay. But, but, so I wrote an article about that where I was talking about like job hunt. So anyway, the, the purpose was I kind of wanted to be able to write use my real name to do these things and then write it under another so that people could make the connection. Um, and I had a somewhat forward-facing job. I work in healthcare as a day job. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be free to be able to say – Obviously, the book makes a lot of commentary on the healthcare industry. Right. Yeah, I, I wanted to be able to just kind of freely say what I wanted.
0: That's fine. That that's the Superman Peter Parker syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. So you got your mask wearing there. That's that's pretty cool. Um, I, I think I'm gonna start doing a pseudonym too. I have got to find something that's gonna be really great, um, <laughs> which would be cool. All right. So so we got that. So then talk to us a little bit about Upchuck Comics. Where is that? Because as a creator, you're a writer. So now you're moving into publishing and editing as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I you mean, know, I was I was an editor at, you know, I was a I was an intern, but I, my title was essentially an assistant editor at Marvel. Um and so that's kind of what I I knew. Um I do hire a copy editor to to do the copy, but the editing, you know, of like going back and looking at at the artwork and making sure it fits in the continuum Uh, I I do that myself. Um, You know, I think one of the great things about independent comic creating right now is there's distribution channels that were not open five years ago, certainly Mm -hmm. 10 years
2: Mm ago.
1: Um, And even something like, uh, because one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm actually submitting to Diamond. Okay. Um, You know, I don't know. I mean, Diamond's had a rough four years here. Yep. Um, I don't know that Diamond would have probably even looked at my submission four years ago but I think that they they're realizing that hey this independent comics might be you know something that they're, they're much more willing to consider now so I just think there's a lot of opportunity and that's kind of why I was like hey I'm just going to publish these myself
0: no that's great yeah I mean yeah. there are a ton of I'm not going to say a ton, but there are more opportunities than there were, yes, five years ago. You had a major disruption in sort of like the... We keep saying that it was a monopoly, but, you know, Diamond was a monopoly. They were just a monopoly in the the comic medium business, but not the book business. Because there are other publishers that publish the trades. But having that disruption where you have the major two uh, publishers now moving on to... um, more exclusive publishers gives a sort of a gateway for indie creators to to come into Diamond. You also have Luna Distribution, who has just started taking on independent publishers, and they they distribute uh, DC Comics uh, for the U.S. And then there's a whole bunch of other distribution change that have started to pop up. So it's just a matter of doing research and 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 finding somebody that's going to lie. And when we talk about distribution, so we talk about distribution in in two facets, right? You have uh, what most creators want, which is to be on the on the shelves of most local comic book shops, which would be great. And then you have online distribution where you can you know distribute directly to the consumer by just shipping um, to them. And then you have uh, you know digital, which should complement, not take over or fight uh, the the physical sales because you know as as much as you know we we love this medium, there there needs to be opportunities. To, to be able to distribute everywhere. So so, what's your, I, I wouldn't even say market. so what's your plan when it comes to distribution? So you're looking at Diamond. Are you looking at other places to distribute? Do you sell your comics online right now? How does that work for you company-wide?
1: You know, so I, when I started, I was doing like issues one and two were on Comixology. They were on hmm. Kindle. Um... um and so I was doing a lot, a lot of that, and I, I really thought I would be able to get a lot more through straight digital. Um, but it wasn't as successful as it was, and then mm-hmm. as I thought it would be. And then the local comic book shops, there were a lot of awesome people that I worked with here that let us do signings, and they put our books on their shelves. But, you know, with – with, I mean, we weren't putting out a book every month. I mean, we were putting out a book like every six months. And so I kind of tailed all that back and said, let me let me get this into a trade because as a trade, I can I can go digital. I can go to local comic book shops. I can even get into Barnes and Nobles. You know, once mm-hmm. you it is a book, um, you know, once I was able to slap an ISBN on the back of it, it opened up a lot more channels. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we're, we're doing now. We're saying, OK, how can we get into bookshops? How can we? Um how can we get in the, the local comic book shops um, and and so now we're kind of putting together you know we didn't crowdfund any of this we we kind of did it all internally um, we thought about doing a Kickstarter, but regardless of whether we do some sort of crowdfunding or not um we want to put a marketing budget behind it where we we'll mm. do some digital marketing um and see where we can go i mean it's always been available direct right. um, and so that's what we're trying to do is trying to take it direct to the consumer
0: okay so is this the only title that you have right
1: now or are you working
0: on additional titles as well
1: so the other two titles are are one shot so i did i did um so i i as i said i did i did an anthology with antarctic press but that's that's theirs for, for distribution and it had already came out it was called Indie Wars.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very cool I, that that they had that six pages in the back of this trade. Um that's a pretty cool thing that Indie Wars concept. I thought that was really neat.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a ton of fun. And um Ben Dunn and the Antarctic Press people were awesome cuz I called them after I said, "Man, I'm putting out the trade and I mean, I'm looking for extras." And they're like, "Put it in there. They'll be great. We'd love it." So, they just signed off on that. That was really cool of them. It was a lot of fun to be able to use their characters in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, the other comics I have so there's a uh, there's a one shot of uh, Goodfellas called Goodfellows where they are instead of 1960s gangsters from New York, they're 1860 gangsters from London, uh, and we just kind of play. I mean, we you know we we um, for that I just I I love the way the dialogue is in that, um, and just thought it would be fun to kind of to transpose it to like old English. Um, But that, that was, that was done as a one shot. And then I also have a a comic that is for sale on the website, but all the proceeds go to um, kids shouldn't have cancer.
0: Mm, Um, Awesome.
1: So what I did was I had a friend of mine that was very active with this organization and he knew I was making comics and he said, can we make a comic where, kids with pediatric cancer are the center of the story. Um, And so I actually worked with him on that and um, came up with saving history. And Mm -hmm. the premise there is it's educational. It's, it's actually mostly distributed in hospitals. We've, we've distributed about 900 of them to pediatric hospitals. Wow. Uh, That's great. And it's, it's cool. We, 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 um, we did it in black and white, which you guys know makes it much cheaper to do. It's faster to do. But we did it so that we could the kids could color it right so we've done events where we go in and they we give them pens and pencils and they can start coloring the characters um, There's a little bit of educational material in it about um about their treatment, about what they're gonna go through um, you know doing the research there was was really eye opening to to talk to like young kids that are battling cancer and like their awareness of of their disease. Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, like,
1: I mean, it's not like lost. I mean, even at like five, six years old, it's not lost on them that they have cancer and what that Mm -hmm. is. um, So in that, I really wanted to make sure that the I originally wrote it where, you know, they all went and got their chemotherapy and it like Spider-Man all of them and they all get independent powers. But I just felt that I was like, you know what? I mean, these kids are already, they're fighters, they're, they're, you know, they're going through this journey. So don't belittle that, make them the same people. They're normal people. Um, they're going through their battle with cancer. And so the, the, you know, the, the, the fun part of the story is whenever they're together, they travel back in time. Um, and they just, they take place in these historical events. So like in the first issue, um they, they leap back in time and they help um, Paul Revere do like the midnight ride. Oh, cool. So, like they don't have any superpowers, but what they have is when they go back in time, all their devices work. So they can look at their calendars, see the date hmm. use their maps. You know, they can, you know, the kids are looking up like where all the British soldiers are and help them avoid where, where those are. Um, so those are, those are the three titles.
0: That's great, and that's still available on the site. Yes.
1: Yeah, and so that oh. one—if people buy it on the site, we give the—I give the proceeds to to that organization.
0: Oh, that's awesome, Brian. Good that's for a great you, project. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. uh Talk about a superhero, right? Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Cool. So then, what's what's next for you? What's next for Upchuck Comics? Um.
1: So I'm actually I want to try to do um. I'm working with a um, another local illustrator, Jonathan Rudak, uh, on a on a one off um, webtoons. Um, I just hmm. kind of wanted to see how we would do that format, and you know, see what the differences are in kind of writing to that um, format. Hmm. Uh, but I'm already working on Bigs. Uh, I'm, I'm working on the outline for Bigs, which will be like you know issues five, six, and seven.
0: Cool oh awesome we'd love can't wait for that to come out um yeah when i when that happens definitely give us a a ring i'd love to check it out as well um there's some great stuff so like i said phil and i really enjoyed it and you know it'd be great to to have more independent creators just keep at it because it's such a thing you know it's one thing to be in it for six months but when you know when a year comes around three years comes around five years comes around Um, and and, and those long yards happen in, we tend to see a lot of people just fall off. So, I mean, you've got something really special on your hands, hopefully it it will take off and um, we can see more stuff coming down uh, the road from you. Um, Yeah. All right, so before we get out of here though, so from your personal experience from, you know, reading comics to making your own, to being in the industry for quite a little bit, uh, what advice would you have for any indie creator out there now who's thinking about, you know, getting their creation out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the main thing is <laughs> go back to some, what somebody had told me about not creating this whole bigs world and doing something that big. Now that doesn't mean that I, I, that I shouldn't have done it. And I certainly don't regret doing it, but I think the main advice that I actually took away when I thought about what they had told me was work on different things. Don't put everything you're doing into one single comic, because I think mm-hmm. I think it gives you, right? So if you're trying to write funny or dark, I mean, those are skills you need to do, whether you want to be, and you can just slub in the word, uh, you know, art. I mean, whether you're doing colors or or, or illustration, but I mean, to, to kind of broaden what you can do and not stay on one style, to not be dedicated to one specific um, project and just work on multiple projects has been helpful to, you know, show different skills to keep me sane and being able to do different projects (laughs) um and i i also do think in the smaller ones um and i was a little bit late to the but i mean you know the the main thing is just get stuff out and like Mm -hmm. you were saying before you know some people i mean some of the artists i work with i mean i literally have to pull the file off their computer i'm like the page is done, dude. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I know you're going to go back and you're like, oh, I need to do this and this. But I'm like, it's it's done enough. And get it out and just start putting content out there.
0: Um, yes. Awesome advice. Yeah, I tell people that all the time too. Just, and it's mostly artists. Artists just want to be perfect. And I'm like, stop trying to be a prima donna perfect. Just get it done and just get it out into the world. Because the more that you keep doing it, and even writers, any type of creator, the more that you keep doing something and working at your trade, The better you're going to get. And it's going to be sort of like, you know, you you look back 10 years from where you started. There's always going to be growth if you just keep moving forward and stop looking back. So really solid advice. Um, Brian, listen, it was great to have you on. Uh, We wish you all the best and all the luck. And we just hope that, you know, people go to your site, check out Biggs, uh, check out the books that you're doing for kids with cancer. That's a really, you know, amazing thing that you're doing there. Um, which would be awesome. So, uh, And then when, when you get started on other things, just you know, give us a shout. We'd love to have you back on and see where Biggs is going. Uh, we actually love to check it out to see where that story uh, is going. Uh, Phil and I were both really intrigued about it, and uh, we're really interested to see where it would go. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, cool. So guys, listen, um, if you want to be on a podcast, you're a creator, just go to amazingactioncomments.com slash podcast, fill out the form. we love to have you on, talk about you and or your project. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the podcast. Stay up to date on everything Amazing uh, Action Comics at AmazingActionComics.com. We've got some some exciting news uh, coming out this Friday that Phil and I will be discussing. Uh, For that, please visit uh, Brian at UpchuckComics.com. We're going to have his information in the notes along with his social media as well. Just go show show some uh, indie love support Uh, to Brian over there as well. So until next time, everyone, be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing.